0: you in Jesus name this morning our message this morning is continuation of one I didn't get finished with two weeks ago and that's on the Christian women's veiling um, I think I will reread this and then just hit some high points that we looked at last time through just to bring us up to speed again. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1 Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one, as if she were shaven. For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, forasmuch as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Oh, Back to a few points we covered in the first message. Uh, Headship is God's will for all. It's plan. The veiling is a plan for God's woman for godly women everywhere, Uh, what God loves we should love, what he tells us to do we should obey and we should obey all the scripture, Um, availing makes praying and prophesying valid, Uh, we need to obey, we need to do what we know God's will is so I can continue to grow spiritually uh, we need to be easily identified by as a godly person by also by other people and also by the angels um, it reminds everyone around us myself and other everyone around me that i have chosen to be in a proper position in relation to god order headship. And in that, we understand that position does not establish worth. Whatever God calls me to do, I need to believe that that's where I can do function best. Um, effectiveness before God is obedience. Um, and I will be the most happy and effective exactly where God has placed me in his plan. And that God's order of grace, God's order of government are two different things. Um, We looked at the fact that there is shame and dishonor associated with cut and unveiled hair talked about how shameless our culture is. Um, Being in God's order promotes purity, dignity, and it's in the interest of womanhood in general. It leaves a four directional witness. It's a witness of obedience to Christ. It's a witness to the husband to fulfill his his role. It's a witness to the church in general, local, that we want to fit into the assembly as God has placed us. And it's a witness to the world and our culture. And it's also a reminder to those in authority over me To protect and respect me as a woman. That's briefly what we talked about last time. Well, people object. And they say, they have lots of objections. We hear them. One objection is, well, it's Paul's idea. It's Paul's idea. Well... according to verse 1 of this chapter which we just read Paul says be ye followers of me does he stop there no even as i also am of christ and chapter and in verse 2 i notice he says i'm a delivery man now, does the delivery man manufacture the product? I, I don't think UPS has enough factories in the United States to build everything they deliver. When the delivery man comes, I did not assume that he manufactured the product. Now, he may, in a rare case, possibly would. But he says, I'm delivery man. I, I, uh, I'm passing this on. I got it. I'm passing this on to you. I'm the delivery man. As I delivered it to you. That's what he says. That's his terminology. And he praises them for doing this. He says, I'm praising you for keeping the ordinances. As I received them and I'm giving them to you. I praise you for that. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 37 says if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord that's 1 Corinthians 14 37 so Paul does not take personal credit for coming up with this being a good idea you know Paul doesn't say you know I just thinking the other day, I just think this would be a good idea. If we, we just kind of have something that we could show each other that this is how God wants. No, he, that's not what he did. Actually, Peter says some of the things that Paul talks about is a little hard to just understand sometimes, but he said they're from the Lord. And that's in 2 Peter three fifteen and 16. Uh, breaking in there, it says an account that the long suffering our Lord is salvation, even as our bro- as our beloved brother Paul, also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which there which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction, so he says sometimes Paul's a little hard to figure out he 's a little hard to follow or whatever, but don't be of the group just because he 's a little bit hard to follow and sometimes whatever don 't be of the group that just twist it and and take it and run with it because in the end it 'll be against you and so Peter confirmed paul 's writings. Uh, so it wasn't Paul's idea. It was God's idea. God's plan all along. Well, some would say, well, it's cultural. It's a cultural tradition. Well... um, I would think it would maybe be a tradition. I don't think it was cultural. Um, Knowing Corinth, I don't think it was a popular thing to do. I don't think the thousand immoral women that descended on Corinth every night were veiled. I don't think that was a popular thing in their culture. That was a very, very immoral culture in Corinth. But why would we call it cultural if the last half of the chapter is in culture? While all of a sudden in the last hundred years or so, we talked about this thing started, the veiling started disappearing in religious circles in the Roaring Twenties, while well, we're approaching twenty now, why in the last hundred years have Christianity become enlightened to the fact that this is cultural? And who gives any Christian the right to pick and choose, says, "Well, Christian woman's veiling is cultural, but..." communion not or can we pick and choose through the ordinances and say it's cultural do we value the Christian woman's veiling the holy kiss the anointing with oil equally or do we allow some of them to slip Now, I would say the lack of veiling is cultural. I would say the lack of marriage is cultural. Those, those are becoming very prevalent in our culture. But it seems like our culture doesn't embrace God's plan. It doesn't tend to do that. Um... fact in James it says, you know, if you're in line with the world, you're not in line with God. If you want to be a friend of the world, then you can't be a friend of God. You you can pick, you can choose, you can take one or the other, but, yeah. Somehow or the other, Satan would like all of us tempt us to believe that it's not quite that cut and dry. We've got this whole gray area in the middle. We have this whole gray area in the middle. But uh, it's one thing I notice, the correlation between headship and the external evidences of it, and marriage, there's a connect, There's a direct connection there, folks. Brothers and sisters this morning, when headship went down the tubes in America, the bailing did too. There's a direct connection. If we're honest, we can't deny it. It's no... It's no accident that churches who have left God's headship of order and the practice of the veiling, as God asks us to practice, end up with women preachers, divorce and marriage, and the whole gamut—homosexuality. Like, where, where does it stop? when all this thing becomes so muddled in in the gray area, where does where 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 does it stop? Now I, I just asked that question. You know, we can we can uh we can become people where, you know, there's a tiger behind every bush and, you know, make this little move, well, as soon as you make a little move, you're on a slippery slope to somewhere, you know, and, and uh that, that's not the way we live, okay? That's not the way we live. However, the multiplication of our moves definitely determine where we land. How many read the Midwest Focus front article last week when you got it in the mail? 30% uh, probably. Other 60%. Get out last week's Midwest Focus and at least read the front article. Tremendous article by Brian Yoder. It's called Trajectory. Where you start, it's addressed specifically to youth. He said where you start, the direction you start, will determine where you land. will you can't start wrong and end right it just don't happen trajectory what is your trajectory and that's challenging I mean that's just for youth but just think about it with me this morning sobering thought sobering thought what is the trajectory of Prairie Mennonite Church Where do we plan to land? That is a seriously sobering thought. Where do we plan to land? And I'm not going to say 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, because I don't know when we're going to land. But we're going to land. And our trajectory... Part, a great part. In fact, oh boy, I, I, don't, I don't. You know, I think I can almost say a hundred percent of our trajectory is rooted in headship. If it is not in the order that God placed us, eventually ending up with God and Jesus Christ and God and honoring all that all the way down. How can our trajectory, how can we land right? Brothers and sisters, we aren't. It's when that dishonor to God becomes okay. When that dishonor from a husband to Christ goes bad. You know, when... When the husbands don't honor the, the, I mean, the wives don't honor the husbands and, and the children don't honor the parents, and I, I'm, you know, you ain't going to land right. It just won't happen. And we must well be, we might as well get it straight. And I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else. That's just the simple, hard facts. When we honor that headship, respect, love, to do the way God wants us to do, brings us success, it brings us happiness, it brings us, uh, it's just, it, yeah. It mushrooms for good, exactly the way, exactly opposite of that disrespect, mushrooms for bad. Well, some would say it's only for married women because my husband symbolically covers me. Now, if a husband symbolically covers the wife. Okay, the wife is supposed to be, you know, veiled. That is her husband. Then we need to go one more step and say okay, the husband is not to be veiled Do we not want to be under Jesus Christ? You follow that logic? I remove? That is, that would be a tremendous risk. A risk that I would never want to take. In fact... Whether we want to address it or not, Christ is always over us men. Now, we can accept that, work under that, thrive spiritually under that. We can reject it, but he's always there. We cannot remove Christ over us. So it's not a symbolical thing. I have heard, and I find it strange, I've heard of women who have, Christian women who have laid aside the veiling, but then they go to extreme measures to prove that they are under their husband's authority and that they serve him and they love him and serve him and so they're looking for just just looking for the chance to rub his back and to uh, just always cook his favorite meal and to do all these things and this is supposed to prove that you can do this without actually wearing a veil. It seems like a lot of effort, and I'm not saying it's wrong to rub your husband's back. I mean, if he needs his back rub, whatever. Uh, But, it seems like a lot of bother just to prove a point to me. It does. Some would say, in relation to just that, what just I, what I just shared, well, it can be fulfilled by having the right attitude and the right actions. They are absolutely right, absolutely right. All you need is the right attitude, the obedience to the Scripture, having the right actions, and a Christian woman would be veiled. Simple. Well, I, some would say, well, it makes me a public spectacle. True. But shouldn't every child of God, male or female, shouldn't every child of God, male or female, be identified in the eyes of God, I mean, in the eyes of, of our society as being distinctly, clearly, precisely Christian. If somebody walks by me or you, anybody in this audience, in Walmart, and don't have a clue that we are distinctly, precisely Christian, then there's a problem. There's a problem. And I don't know exactly how to describe that, but I know what it is. I know what it is. You've seen them in Walmart, and I've seen them in Walmart. I'm just using Walmart as an example because you see everything in Walmart. Uh, That's just, yeah. If you want to see the whole gamut of American culture just go to Walmart you'll you'll see it there it is our job as Christians to impact the world for Jesus Christ and clearly very clearly everybody's mind that walks by there walks a Christian our actions, we won't be hanging out in the TV department, Walmart, neither in the movie department. Uh, no. We won't even have to bother to even look. They should be surprised if a person that looks like a Christian is gawking at the TVs in Walmart. Sure. Well some people say, well, you go down here and verse 15 it says the hair's a covering, so that's takes care of all that. Hair's a covering, I have hair, so there's there's the covering. Why would Paul expound for 12 verses in the Christian woman's veiling and verse 15, throw the whole thing out the window. Why would he do that? Why bother? And it doesn't even read to make sense. Verse 4 But every woman that, for example... For every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. So that means, if we're going to do, take this verse 15, then everybody should be, all the men should be shaved this morning. If the hair is a covering, then every man has to, have we have to shave our head before we come to church. We would, if that's hair is covering. And in verse 5 it says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. If she, dis- if, if she did not have a veiling, it's not like she would be shaven, it is all, she would already be shaven. It's not equivalent to, if you take that as hair, it's not equivalent to being shaved. She would have already been shaved. Actually, if you take this, the hair is the covering, then the quickest ideal thing would be to everybody shave their heads and we all put our wigs on and off. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here. Because if it's hair, then for a a man, you know, it'd be easy to just take it off, go to church, put it back on, you know, it is a covering but it is not a sign of headship the hair well as the bible say we need to have veilings as we practice here at prairie i mean you know they have to have pleats and they have to have the front part and. I will say that. No. I don't read it anywhere. I've heard people that say, well, you know, when I make a dress, then I'll make a covering to match. And I've actually personally seen it. But I don't believe that does. That's acceptable because it's not a sign veil. This is a sign that we are in God's order. So it must be a sign veil. Just a red bandana, don't cut it. I mean, you know, if you're down to crawl space under the house and you need to, you know, get something or whatever, you don't want to wrap a a red bandana around, I guess that's all right. Um, But that's not a sign veil. Number two, the Bible is very clear that the hair is the woman's glory. All right? And that that glory should be covered. So if the Christian woman's hair is her glory and we have this little something about this big around the back, it's hardly... it would hardly seem reasonable that that is car- covering much glory. Would it? Now we're talking about sign veils, we're talking about it needs to be a sign, but it also needs to cover, specifically says, it's to cover the glory of the hair. So now we're getting a really touchy subject. Well, how about the hairdo, then? Wow, preacher. Now you're getting yourself hot water. You're going to get yourself in a corner. Well... If the hair is the glory of a woman, and that glory is insufficiently covered, then I believe that the eye will be attracted to the glory. Which brings up the question, then, if a person looks at a godly woman, what is their eyes attracted to? Are their eyes attracted to your veil, which has covered the glory, or are they attracted to the glory itself? which is the hair. It's becoming very, very personal, but yet very, very practical. Now, Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a maid. And the NIV says that I would lust, not lust after a maid. Okay, so that's the guys part. Brother this morning, we have to have that commitment. We have to have that commitment. I guess that's where covenant eyes came, the name for the for the uh, computer filter. I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not lust upon a maid. Look at her lustfully. However, the other side of this coin is, and I will be honest enough to tell you, that even in Maranatha Bible School setting, I can walk by girls, and if somebody asked me five minutes later, what was their hairdo, I would not have a clue. None whatsoever. Not have a clue. However, however, there's other girls that I walk by, and someone asked me 24 hours later, what was their hairdo? I could tell them what their hairdo was. Now, let me ask you something. In the eyes of the average person, if you ask a man 24 hours after he looked at you what your hairdo was, and he could tell you, the question we need to be honest enough to ask ourselves and this applies to the guys and the girls. However, we're talking about veiling here and veiling glory. Is the glory veiled? We have to honestly ask, answer that question. Is the glory veiled? Is the hairdo consistent with the bailing is my hairdo drawing men's eyes away from my face now we often talk about other issues undress and all kinds of stuff that draw men's eyes from face but we getting we just we're, we're trying to keep this narrow this morning Honestly researching honestly looking at does my the glory of my hair draw a man's eyes away from my face and is it then covered as the bible says it should be I, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody this morning but it's 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 questions that are very, very personal, very, very practical. Guys, look in the mirror. Do you look distinctly Christian? Girls, look in the mirror. Is the glory of my hair covered? We have to be realistic. We have to be honest before God. We can't blow this off. Because it's very specific. Does my veiling as a Christian woman meet the approval of authority over? Me? If my veiling does not meet the the approval of authority over me, and I am wearing something in rebellion against authority over me, brothers and sisters, we're only kidding ourselves. Because it is violating the exact principle that it stands for. It becomes self-defeating. And so it needs wives, girls, your bailing needs to meet the approval of your mom and dad. I don't know how else to get around it. It just does. It It should meet the approval of the church. It's easy to say, well, if you don't, then take it off. And that's not the solution to the problem. The solution to the problem is becoming in God's order. Leave it on and joyfully, lovingly bring ourselves under the order that God has so graciously asked us to embrace. I believe the veil should contribute to the general testimony of the congregation. I believe that it is important that they be all the same kind. I'm bearing my heart this morning. I think it's important. I am concerned. I am um, How can I say? I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not the prophet or the son of a prophet, but... Some of the things I see happening in some of our conservative churches Seems like it's adding diversity instead hmm. of unity. And so I think we do well, very well. Our forefathers have, have handed us something that has worked well identified us well and I think it's good I personally feel it is very good that we continue to do that and I don't think that really distinctly godly veilings or hairstyles are age No. Age nor fashion sensitive. And I'll illustrate that this way. I believe if we have a godly hairstyle not gender specific right here or veiling gender specific that you're gonna have to open up or that you will open up a photo album forty years from now and say that my friend was ridiculous that was ridiculous I don't think it will and I'm not saying we all have to have the same hairstyle I'm just simply saying If it's distinctly Christian, I don't think it will turn out ridiculous 30 years from now. I just... There's a combination of how I dress, how I live, how I function... Does it truly honor Jesus Christ? Or does it it glorify Christ or does it glorify me? And you know what? Every single person in this congregation has to look in the mirror and answer that question honestly. Every single person. Does my life deflect the glory of Jesus Christ? Or am I happy with a little bit of it standing right here? Does it reflect the simplicity of Christ? Do I have to worry about particular people? What they think about me, my hairdo, my veiling, my dress, my... Or, when I have the approval of Jesus Christ, I live a simple, modest, godly, obedient, joyful life. Is that all I want? Who do I secretly admire? Who do I secretly admire? Guys, do you secretly admire admire liberal girls? with abbreviated coverings. Do you secretly admire them? Girls, do you secretly admire them? Married men, do you secretly admire them? We encourage each other in simplicity, godly obedience. Woe be to us if any person in this audience were ashamed to walk with any modestly godly veiled woman in public. God help us. If we're ashamed, we're far from embracing. Now, I know it's time when I was ashamed. I was 10, 12 years old. we'd travel with my mom and dad and sisters and stuff, and i purposely hang back because I didn't want to be connected with them. I wasn't a Christian. I was ashamed. And I should have been ashamed because I wasn't a Christian. I didn't want to be connected with them Mennonite, Amish-looking people. So I'd walk 15, 20 paces behind the rest of the family. But praise God, I'm not ashamed. And I hope that's our testimony today. We are not ashamed. Now we're not arrogant, but we're not ashamed. Well, I hope this sermon is not judgmental. The Bible says, it's very sobering to me this morning, the Bible says that God did not leave Samuel's words fall to the ground. We had a little discussion of that in Sunday school. Well, my take on that is that a public speaker's words either fly or fall based on their personal integrity and that's sobering to me this morning either they fly or they don't based on the speaker's integrity and so that not applies to this speaker but applies to every one of us as we share Christ to a fallen world either it flies or it doesn't based on our integrity brothers and sisters I am very grateful to be a part of a church with integrity in this area and I praise and bless God but we need to be honest we need to be fair not, with, not only with God. We need to be fair with each other. We need to be fair with ourselves. Excruciatingly honest.